0: Chapter 6 of Peewee Harris Fixer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Michalisio. www.kristenmichalisio.com Peewee Harris Fixer by Percy Keese Fitzhugh. Chapter 6 THE SAFETY PATROL Having entombed Queen Tut, more effectually than ever the ancient Egyptians did, Pee-wee returned to school the following Monday. A lengthy conference between Elsie and her mother had resulted in the decision that the girl should go to the masquerade as Joan of Arc. "'Perhaps her martial character will protect her from annihilation,' said Mrs. Harris wistfully." I feel, said Elsie, looking through tear-stained eyes, as if I'd like to go as Bluebird and kill everyone I see, including all the small brothers. I would like to go as Attila the Hun and massacre all the Boy Scouts in Bridgeboro. Then I would seek out Macaroni and assassinate him because he invented the radio, if he did. Poor Queen Tut, said Mrs. Harris amiably, launched upon the new costume. Poor Walter, poor walter needed very little sympathy he had gone to pastures new where fresh glories awaited him having triumphed over the grip and queen tut he presented himself at grammar school monday morning his aerial masterpiece remained where he had left it when peremptorily summoned to the house festooning the lawn as the ornamental appendage upon Pee-wee's arrival at school his teacher sent him to dr sharp the principal who wished to confer with him upon important matters harris he said turning his swivel chair i'm glad to know you're feeling better yes sir said pee-wee you had quite a time of it eh yes sir said pee-wee with more truth than the principal suspected walter i suppose you know of the plan we've adopted here of having selected pupils act as traffic officers during the rush hours as i might call them when the boys and girls are coming and going in the neighborhood of the school building yes sir said pee-wee hoisting up one of his stockings the idea is to safeguard the pupils, especially the smaller ones, from careless drivers. The boys appointed to take this responsibility are, of course, pupils in good standing intelligent, keen witted, resourceful. They wear badges and have the cooperation and backing of the police. They have whistles, don't they? Pee wee asked. Already he saw himself, or rather heard himself, blowing his lungs out in autocratic warning for the traffic to pause. His roving eye caught sight of something on Dr. Sharp's desk, which gladdened his heart. This was a huge celluloid disc or button as large as a molasses cookie and equipped with a canvas band to encircle the arm and hold it in place. If it had indeed been a molasses cookie, Pee-wee could have hardly contemplated it with deeper yearning. "'I was an official in the cleanup campaign,' Pee-wee said. "'I made him clean up Barrel Alley.' I cooperated with the police, I did. Once I even got a man arrested for throwing a pie in the street. Gee whiz, that isn't what pies are for. I should say not, smiled Dr. Sharp. So I know all about being a public official, kind of, said Pee-wee. Well, that's just what I thought. And besides, you're a scout, I believe. You said it. And I always lean towards scouts when it comes to a question of responsibility, public duty, that's where you're right said pee-wee because scouts you can always depend on them if a scout says he'll keep a-anyway gee whiz they're always on the job i'll say that well i'm going to appoint you traffic officer," said dr sharp and you're to wear this badge and act in accordance with these instructions he handed pee-wee a carbon copy of a typewritten sheet read it now and tell me if you think you can assume these duties i've heard of your work in the cleanup campaign and that's why i thought of you We need one more officer. Did you hear about me and the dead rat? Pee-wee inquired. I'll read it, he said, alluding to the paper. But anyway, I accept. The typewritten sheet read as follows. Instructions for Safety Patrol. Officers of the Safety Patrol are to be at their designated stations from 8.30 to 9.15 a.m. and from 12 to 12.15 p.m., from 12.40 to 1.15 p.m. and from 3 to 3.30 p.m. Officers of the safety patrol are expected to carry their lunches as they will not have sufficient time to go home. The duties of the officers are to ensure the safety of pupils approaching and leaving the school, to warn, and when necessary, detain traffic in the interest of safety. Boys acting as officers of this patrol are to use their whistles and the uplifted hand in controlling traffic while on duty, and their authority must be obeyed by drivers of vehicles in the school neighborhood. They shall report to the principal any flagrant disregard of their authority by drivers, taking the license number of the vehicle. They will have the full cooperation of the police officers stationed in the neighborhood. Officers of the safety patrol will give their especial attention to the smaller children, escorting them when necessary. Theirs is the responsibility of keeping the street and neighboring crossings clear during the approach and departure of pupils, especially those of lower grades. Their teachers will permit them to leave the classroom early, and no punishment for tardiness shall be incurred by the remaining at their posts, as provided after the bell rings. Roswell Sharp, Principal. Pee-wee received the badge as if it were a distinguished service cross tendered by Marshall Falk, or the Scout Gold Cross for Supreme Heroism. It looked not unlike a giant wristwatch on his small arm, at the same time an authoritative, celluloid whistle was handed to him he could not bear to conceal this in his pocket so he hung it around his neck by an emergency shoestring which he carried he saw visions of himself frowning upon the proud drivers of Pierce arrows and cadillacs he saw the baffled chauffeurs of jitney buses jam on their brakes when his his authoritative hand said as marshal joffrey had said they shall not pass He saw himself the escort and protector of golden-haired Marion Bates, who had laughed at him and called him Smarty. As he passed out through the principal's ante-room, he noticed sitting there Emerson Skybrow, the boy on whose head he had let fall an apple core. It was a fine head, filled with the most select culture and knowledge. That was why Pee-wee had dropped the core on it. Emerson was not a favorite in the school, much less with the scouts. He said cinema when he meant the movies. He said luncheon and dinner instead of eats. He took constitutionals instead of hikes. He took piano lessons, and he spoke of shows as entertainments or exhibitions. There is much to be said for such a boy, but he is almost certain to have apple cores dropped on him. Emerson was not popular, but he was useful. He was not nervy, but he was self-possessed. Talk talked like a grown person. It is significant that he had not been appointed to the safety patrol. But he was always getting himself appointed monitor. He distributed and gathered up books and pencils in the classroom. He opened the window a little at the top. With a long implement, he could always be counted on for poetical recitations. On the present occasion, Emerson had been sent as a delegation of one, representing the entire student body, to prefer a particular request of the principal. It had been shrewdly considered that any request made by Emerson must be regarded as eminently proper and respectable. Emerson was never late to school and seldom absent. Therefore, a request involving an interruption of school routine in the interest of mere entertainment would command attention in high places if made by Emerson. That is why he had been delegated to approach Dr. Sharp and request that lessons he suspended for half an hour on the following morning, in order that the pupils might beguile themselves with something altogether unorthodox in the humdrum daily life at school. That was why Emerson was waiting in the ante-room. End of chapter six, recorded by Kristen McAlesio.